Hello, I'm Graham. Oh. Oh? Oh. Oh. Oh my goodness. To the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I'm Colin. I'm Kelsey. And we're all having technical difficulties with our brains this morning, it seems. But that's okay, because they seem to have technical difficulties with a lot of things in Doctor Who. Yeah, like the uh, GPS trying to <laughs> kill them. That's a throwback. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of throwbacks, actually, in this episode that a lot of people probably didn't realize. Yeah, Indeed. I definitely didn't. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean... I just want to start off this by saying, like, I feel like the writing has vastly improved from last season. Yeah, it's a a whole new year, and and hopefully it'll be a whole new Doctor Who. Yeah, it seems like the attitude, too, on, you know, which we'll get into later on, but bringing in past characters, which was something that Chris Chivinal was originally very resistant to do. The writing seemed a lot more Doctor Who-ish, and the pacing changed in a very uh, awesome way. It got a lot more fast-paced in this one. Well, it just felt more like a true Doctor Who story. Yeah, I think it, it's not the, it's not just the the words that were written, but more so that it was the plot line. This is well, and this that's is what very, I mean. I mean, that's part of the writing. Is the yeah, plot line. this this is this is very much a a Stephen Moffat era style almost. Even the direction seemed to have and the pacing too, for that matter. And the pacing seemed to have more of an eleventh hour kind of feel than. Yeah, and you were saying some of the cinematography, too. Cinematography, there's a lot of camera angles where the sunlight beams on the the camera, which is very much what The Eleventh Hour had when it first came out. Uh, Because I think that's kind of a a new beginning kind of trope. Is that an episode? Um, Yeah, that's the uh, first episode of Matt Smith, The Eleventh Doctor. Oh, okay. Is The Eleventh Hour. And in that one, they um, had switched out the entire cast and like the lead writer and many of the writers and like everything got like changed. Is it a different writer now or? It's a different writer. So the the new writer came in last season and is carried on to this one. When he started, he um, said that he, well, first of all, he only auditioned women for the role of the doctor. He said that he wasn't going to bring back any of the old characters, villains, anything like that. And it was going to be a very different type of thing. Now, with that, you know, he did end up in the last New Year's special bringing back the Daleks. Um, well, a Dalek. A Dalek. And, um, but that was the first one that it was a, a repeat of something. So it was kind of an issue because, well, it's nice to be introduced to new creatures like in this one. Um, the problem is, is that if you do it every single episode, then the first half of every episode is about set up explaining who these other creatures and characters are. And even are. more so, let's just be real, they're... Pretty forgettable monsters yeah. and villains and antagonists in, in the last season. I think already, you know, we have the introduction of these new, you know, uh, 
light type of creatures that have good mysterious and, and uh, qualities to them, real creepiness. And, and, and just a and real a big threat. Of, and, and a really kind of an interesting characterization of we took these forms to mock you. Yeah, that, yeah. That that line. They're, really they're actually rather spooky because they can actually even penetrate through the TARDIS, which is interesting. right. Well, okay. So here was an interesting thing: the penetrating into the TARDIS. The way the Doctor got rid of it was by taking off. Yes. Now we had seen before in the Christmas episode, "The Husbands of River Song," that the TARDIS can't take off when a life form registers as both inside and outside the TARDIS. True. Because they can't close the door. Maybe it's because the doors were already closed. Probably because the door's already closed, but also possibly because it hadn't for... Well, the, the, nothing had, was registering the creature, though, the Oh, whole that's time. true. The sonic screwdriver didn't recognize it. Maybe the TARDIS didn't either. Maybe the, the sonic, Is the sonic screwdriver, like, part of the TARDIS? Are they even or? really at, living at, creatures? At one point in time... Well, so the Doctor invented it, but at one point in time, the TARDIS, like, recreates, like, gives him a new one. So it does seem that they're, you know, linked. I think one of the biggest themes of this episode kind of tells it all right away is that you cannot trust anyone and nothing is as it seems. And so my guess is that these creatures probably aren't what they (laughs) seem to be because they may be something we already know. Well, you saw that little creepy dude in the little box when they were in the office of the guy and he was like, ew, look at that weird thing. And oh, the weird like, skeleton thing? Yeah. yeah, and she was just like, oh, whatever, let's do this. I feel like that's going to somehow mm. maybe play in and maybe that's maybe like, a like a prototype. Or, or, oh, a prototype, yeah. yeah. like maybe they created these creatures because they're like, maybe they're internet creatures or something. I don't know. Yeah, and if they are synthetic to that degree, it kind of uh, washed out that, you know, life form being inside and out, you know, if they aren't true life forms. You know, you, you know what? I kind of think that if we were to pick a life form that we've seen before that they are most like, I would say it's the creatures from Flatline, where you had the two-dimensional creatures coming in and trying to take on 3D form to enter our universe. That's possible. I, I don't think it's them. I'm just saying that seems the most similar. Well, there's also the... The, it, there's also a the variation on the theme from a previous episode called Army of Ghosts, which I won't reveal because Kelsey hasn't seen it yet, what that is, but there it definitely has that kind of feel. So I'm well, wondering yeah, and if it does, it does seem like they're traveling. Charles Dickens one or whatever. Oh, right, with the gals. Yeah. You know... Those like light could be something that's interdimensional or just you something know, that's not I, I, from I this it, universe. And obviously, they want to take over our universe, so they're not exactly something that's part of our universe. Well, really you, know, you know what? You know what was interesting but too they said is that, that they showed was from our universe. That was like no, fringe. Fringe, but it also showed like when the map got extrapolated all the way, it showed several Earths, which makes it seem like they are interdimensional travelers who have been scoping out multiple versions of Earth. It could be that, and that would. And be you know who, who that's cool. like is yeah. the monks. And the rest of the rhetoric yeah, too, not just too. saying that they want to take over our universe, but they're like they're from beyond, far beyond, you know, our yeah. understanding. You know, it does seem like potential another plane of existence. You know, no matter how we're going to fit that, even if some of their languages hang out on the fringes of some of our universe. Let's well, we don't it. know if like the light aspect is a disguise too. Like right. they could have a completely like we know that that's not their original form they've already admitted it so, so they claim oh you know you know who they could be it could be the great intelligence because we know he it did kind of die out in a burst of light and get scattered 
across the doctor's timeline does kind of have that creepy thing. coming in. Yeah, I, I think, think it's probably a new thing. But I, I think that there is infinite potential for what it could be, and I think part two is going to be what we need to see in order to know what the heck's going on here. I almost Indeed. want it to, like, maybe it could be one of those, like, big story arcs that goes across the whole season, too. Like, maybe they don't solve the mystery completely, and they just, like, are able to fight him back, and they become another reoccurring new villain. Yeah, and I imagine be. even if they don't, our other uh, <laughs> villain that was reintroduced to this episode will be here to stay. I yes. Past this uh, two-part. All right, jumping in. I wonder if they're going to keep the same actor the whole time. I think that he did a great job. So we've got the master. He's back in and all of his original glory. He's played by Shasha Dawan, who actually played Wars Hussein, who was one of the first uh, directors for Doctor Who back then. Um, he played that role in An Adventure in Space and Time, the one-off movie that they did for the 50th anniversary. So he was actually in a kind of Doctor Who sort of production already. Was he playing O, like the, the <laughs> character that we thought no, he no, was? He, he played Wars Hussein, who was one of the very first uh, Doctor directors. Gotcha. Which is kind of cool. I think he was Indian. Well, I don't know what thing yeah. you're talking about. You need to explain this. Adventures in Space and Time. Adventures in Space and Time was a, um, a kind of like a docudrama based on William Hartnell. And it, it kind of goes through the beginnings of Doctor Who and how William Hartnell was um, introduced as the Doctor. And all these all the struggles that they had to go through in order to get it there in the first place. It is, if you haven't seen it yet, I'll bring it over at some point. We'll we'll have to do that because that's really really well done. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, getting getting back on yeah, track to this right. story. I so mean, we, not, we really it's not he, like he was a Doctor Who character in another. No, movie. yeah, okay. no, but I mean, no, a lot, a lot of times there's repeat actors in Doctor Who anyway. Yeah, but I feel like this is a pretty major one to. But this repeat. is he. He was a pretty. He's he's known to the Doctor Who world, and he's also a very well known British actor. And what my point was getting to is that he was not announced as being in this episode. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah, and um, also just as a quick side note on repeat actors. So Martha and Amy, two long-running companions of, of Doctor Who, both were different side characters in previous episodes before they ended up being companions. Uh, and they were like totally different characters. Even actually the Doctor once yeah. was... Um, twice. Twice. Well, yeah, twice if, if you count... Oh, right, yeah. Colin Baker and Peter Capaldi. Yeah, but both, both showed other, up as other, other characters, characters in Doctor Who. Before being the Doctor. But um, anyways, back to the Master in this one. So we've got a lot of the original Master characteristics. We've got the, the shrinking somebody and taking their place. We've got the total glee at, you know, doing his general thing, you know, of, of destroying things and duping defeating, the duping the Doctor. This we've no got him, him jumping in with... Uh, in league with some sort of alien or interdimensional creature and thinking he has control over it. And I assume in classic master uh, fashion, the doctor will destroy the plan and or the aliens will betray the master and then he'll have to switch sides at the last minute to save himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm missing the curly mustache though. Yeah. We need the goatee on the master. Although he, he did seem, he had some scruff going, so it could come in. Don't worry, there's plenty of room for this. This master was in disguise as O, the lonely MI6 agent. You know, that that's why he couldn't get the, the full stash goatee going. Well, it's also it, it possible will, that, will. that it's not the actual master that we know. I mean, the master does wear disguises, as we know. Well, and obviously, like, they all change their appearance. That's kind right, of the yeah. point, but... 
Yeah, but they, uh, what I thought was really interesting here is that, you know, we, we really had a big redemption story for the Master slash Missy going beforehand. And this seems to really revert back to the one-dimensional, evil, maniacal, crazy Master yeah. <laughs> of, which is, of the past. Which is why I've been wondering, is this the Master that comes after Missy? Or is this a Master that actually came back when he was actually taking over other people's bodies? I, that's, what, that's what I was wondering. Like, is this a past incarnation of the Master? But then as I was watching this again, I'm thinking there might be another clue, too. Just like these creatures may be from another universe. Maybe this is a master from another oh, universe. Oh, like sure. a parallel universe master and a parallel universe Oh, like that could be. Doctor. Maybe he went, maybe his trajectory, after he was had used up all his incarnations and started taking people's bodies over, he actually continued to take people's bodies over. Well, here's another thing, too, is that it could actually be the next regeneration of it in which case i hope that in the next episode there's a conversation where the doctor's like um we made such great progress what happened (laughs) i mean i assume we're not going to get an explanation for the master miraculously coming back to life because that's kind of his mo we've seen him die in a lot of really horrific and very like clearly dead sort of ways without being able to regenerate and then just like miraculously coming back with no explanation yeah i mean i also Sorry, I'm, I'm now yeah. I keep thinking about like this parallel universe thing, and it's almost like like when they go into that, it's like the upside down basically, where they're in this electricity world, and what if that's like the another reality basically that they're like, or in between down. realities, you know, yeah, like being transported to another dimension. I mean, feasibly, that's how Barton gets out of the airplane. Although if you think about it, if you think about it, there's definitely this collective kind of motif where where when uh, Ryan has just escaped and Yaz is taken there, um, we see that all the creatures are kind of all at the building, and then when you go back to the world where Yaz is or that nowhere place, all it seems like there's a big congregation of all the. Yeah, the data. Yeah, it, it looks almost like neural nets or something, it, you know, where you have like you know some brain chemistry going through. Like, I wonder if you know when we ask how many are you to this creature, it really is just one sort of hive mind. Yeah, it definitely now. seems hive mind. But we even see another Sorry. connection when we're back in Australia outside of O's house, where you have the whole team kind of blinking in, in and out once and sending up somewhere. And even when everybody else gets hit. There's still one remains. It's almost like they you know it doesn't hurt everyone. It, it, it's kind of a way to converge, merge them. Yeah, this is very. This has motifs of Cybermen and and possibly the Great Intelligence, as you mentioned before. Because in season openers before, we've had that kind of neural uh, technology. If you go back to the Bells of Saint John and uh, the uh, the first Missy story, um, extremists. No, no, oh, no, that was uh, from season eight. Oh, oh, um, dark water. Yeah, dark water. Both of those had kind of a s- there. Uh, there's parallels. Now I'm just we look for patterns and things that aren't really there, as the doctor puts it. So <laughs> I'm sure that that. Well, I mean, it, also but- let's be real. It's got to be floating around in people's subconscious, and part of the reason why they create characters they create is based on you know bits and pieces of other things. So I mean, it's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. I wanted to point out that, uh, again, the fact that they didn't announce that uh, Sasha Don, the guy who plays O in The Master, he um, wasn't announced, yet Lenny Henry 
and Stephen Fry, who are huge British actors, were announced for this particular episode. I'm really yeah. glad also that they didn't announce that the master was going to be in this one, like they did with that one episode where you didn't like you didn't find out it was him until the very end. Do you yes. think the master and Yaz are going to have like a love affair? Because I kind of felt some chemistry between <laughs> them. And I'm like, that would be an interesting twist if like the companion if Yaz if ran felt, off with the, yeah, the master, or if he like is in love with one of the companions. Mm-hmm. Well, let's be honest. I, I feel like Yaz is never really gotten much of a spotlight really great character development it would be super interesting if she went dark you know yeah. although I or like he she kind of like saves her but then like screws everybody else over or something like, I bet be lots cool. of money against it I think it's more likely that Yaz will go dark than that the master will fall in love with her or anyone really but um also, Yaz wasn't sidelined as much in this one. Yeah, no, Yaz stood yeah, out. Yaz too. was like the the main companion. Well, I, really. the way they set this up was that you had Graham being the secondary companion to the Doctor as they go off to find O, and then you've got Ryan being the secondary companion to Yaz as they go off to find Daniel. Uh, Daniel. True. Yeah, and, and she and she really takes the lead and you know charges through and and is really very uh, instrumental and. Involved in this plot. Well, it also goes with her backstory because we, at the beginning of this episode, we we jump into them kind of touching base with the people that they knew before they went with the doctor, kind of a homage to the Russell T. Davis era. And um, so you see Yaz uh, talking with her family and and also talking with her boss. And <clears throat> apparently, she's a really good police officer who's on probation because she's just starting. But she's never there, obviously. But my point is that if she's that good of a police officer, it's coming into the show now, finally. Which is one of the complaints that a lot of the fans had in last season. Yeah. That she was so sidelined. And what's like, the what's point of having a cop if you're... It, yeah, yeah, I mean... Or what's the point of having that character? She's yeah, three new companions is a lot. And it, it was very hard to... And, and, and there was a big story with Graham and Ryan throughout all of last season, too. Yes. Yeah, that was a lot more meaningful than, you know, what was going on in Yaz's personal life. That story with with uh, Ryan and um, and Graham did kind of continue when they were looking at all those cool MI six uh, contraptions because they had a little bit of banter between the two. Yeah, because now they've got a really good solid relationship. Exactly, and I like how they continued that. You know what I really liked is, is changing gears a little bit is the wardrobe that they uh, put the doctor into when when she changed into the the tux and it looked basically just like a black version of her own outfit. That's so doctor like to do and well, does she I normally really have the tie though oh both no 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 she did like both the ties are cool. up shoes, no i just felt yeah, like the, yeah yeah but i mean you know if it's it was almost cool. like a throwback to matt smith of like oh well even the style of the tie was a throwback to matt smith yeah, so. yeah. that's what i'm saying like i feel like they did a lot of tie backs and maybe like it's a little bit of easter eggs for the fans and also to let the fans know like hey we realized we kind of messed up last season and we're gonna like make things right now yeah which just makes me so excited for the rest of the season another big throwback and you guys might not know this but the math or oh says it worked it actually works when his uh shield around the house actually fends off those creatures that's an exact quote from the sixth and the fourth doctor when they were the doctor uh, word for word. It was because they tried something and it actually worked and they're like so impressed by it. So the, I thought that was, that was kind of a clue, a little, a little pre-clue to say, hmm, he's not all that he seems to. Well, and I have to say, like, <laughs> as soon as I saw that character, I turned everyone out. I was like, he's the bad guy. Like, 
I didn't, I did not guess at all he would be the master. I don't even really know the master. I've only seen one episode with the master in it before this. Um, but I just was like, oh, he's a disgruntled employee. Like, he's for sure going to be the bad guy. So I felt like they did, I, I don't know, there were definite hints. If, if you like spy thrillers and stuff, I felt like he was kind of the red herring in a lot of ways. And then he actually was, like. But also, <clears throat> he did play it off quite well, that he was someone who knew the Doctor, was excited by the Doctor, which kind of worked with the Master, because the Master has always really appreciated the Doctor. I know, I love how he described himself as as her best enemy. (laughs) Has had the Master ever been on the TARDIS before? Yeah. I'm sure. Oh, okay. Because I was like, well, Well, that could have been an interesting twist. I think the house was his TARDIS, was my my guess. Yeah, that's why it was fine. And that's why it was so messy. (laughs) It is interesting that his interior design was so. Well, I, I assume <laughs> I assume that it was that he left it as. Yeah. Oh, did. Yeah. And and also, yeah, I did on the messy part. I did like how the doctor went and was like, "Oh wow, it's so cozy." And Graham's like, "You mean messy?" And she's like, "Yes, that is what I mean." Because <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. the doctor for you. Definitely. Well, I'm going to bring it back all the way to the beginning before I go a little bit further because this is this is Spyfall Part One. This is a story about spies. We haven't really talked about, you know. It sounds like gone are the days of Unit and Torchwood, and you know most of in- intelligence. He, oh, um, yes, yeah, yeah, but they, they kind of push it to the side. In the, as, yeah, as well. so Tor- Torchwood has been kind of pushed to the side earlier, and then in the previous episode, the last New Year's one, um, they said that like the Doctor discovers that Unit's been shut down. But yeah, we, we have uh, the situation where there's spies across the world that are getting, you know, more or less abducted, their DNA scrambled by, you know, these, these great light creatures that we've been talking about. Um, but I feel like you know, maybe there's been other inroads with MI6, but this is the, a new organization that kind of knows about the doctor, brings them into the fold. Um, and I, I was getting some Men in Black vibes, too, with C <laughs> and O. I'm yeah. sure J and K weren't far behind. Well, but. it's also very James Bond. I right. mean, C yeah. is a little bit more, because uh, M, I mean, obviously, and, Q. Is and, char- Q, yeah. and Q are in charge. So it just, right. but I, I mean, yeah, I, I think it definitely has that kind of vibe. And there was a great moment when the MI6 director comes up and goes up to Graham and is like, oh, I thought, so you are real. He's yeah. like, what? No, I read the doctor's file. He's mad. Which was- is interesting that MI6 doesn't know that Torchwood and Unit are defunct according to the doctor. Yeah. And so maybe there's more to that story than meets the eye. And, and maybe we'll learn more. But, you know, I, I'm sad to say that I, I don't think we'll see more of Stephen Fry. I thought he was a, he was a great character for the short Yeah, game. I know. Um, the episode. Yeah, Stephen Fry's a great that, actor. That's the... He was C. Oh. Uh-huh. He was C, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanted oh, to make God. a quick side note, and I know this is okay, interesting. Okay, make your Lenny, Lenny Henry who played uh, Daniel Barton, who's obviously in league with these characters, actually played the Doctor in a comedy sketch. What? In 1990. Just wanted to point that one out. Actually, it was probably... No, actually, it was late 80s. Interesting. And also, speaking <laughs> of Daniel Barton, uh, you know, he's the CEO of Vore, which is essentially the Doctor Who version of uh, Google, Google, in the same way Kurt Blam was the Doctor Who version of Amazon. Right. Yes, exactly. I, I really want to make that connection, too. It sounds like, you know, in the really Chris Chibnall era, they're really, you know, getting into the critiques of the big tech world. I well, know. You, know, you see the Doctor, dark- and she's, like, on the computer, like, look, doing stuff, whereas... 
I guess I haven't seen the most recent. No, no, no. That, yeah. that is, uh, so, like, like, Matt Smith's era, like, you never see him using any technology other than the stupid screwdriver. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, th- this doctor also is, like, very uh, mechanical as, as well, just, like, immediately, like, built this her own sonic screwdriver just like with stuff she found in a warehouse and you know and it also is does a lot more computer stuff and everything so i think it might be a little more the the trend of the, that particular doctor yeah we get those welding glasses back too oh uh, yeah we, we saw in the opening of the last season that's kind of a homage to the sixth doctor in a way because the sixth doctor was trying to fix his tardis so that it could actually change like it was supposed to and he was always tinkering and pulling the tardis apart and really working hard on on all these technological things well, the, without the sonic screwdriver too I might add and so when you see the 13th well, the doctor, doctor did a lot of that too he was constantly fiddling with the circuits and the third the third doctor too the third yeah. was really big into well I mean technology. well yeah because he was trying to make it work again true <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it there's definitely a homage to those previous incarnations just because I, I mean I just saw that scene where she's got the TARDIS hoisted up. <laughs> right, right. Because she's, she's got to she's got to fix the rainforest floor because that's necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder, did they do a little Easter egg for all of the different doctors in this episode? Like rewatching it, did you notice more? I didn't notice a William Hartnell one. Um, th- there may have been. It's just that there's, it was just a very jam-packed episode. Yeah, that's no, one of my. It'd just be interesting to see if, yeah. if there were because you could like there are some blatant ones and it and there seems to be a lot of them. So maybe they did like yeah, a little one for each of them. It's possible. It's very possible because I mean, Chris Chimmel's been a fan of the series from day one. So. And I think he is. Tri- I think you're right, Kelsey. He is making a big point of I've got. I've taken in your guys's feedback, and yeah, we're do it differently. Like I think he was like, I'm going to do my own thing, and then he realized, like, no, I got to respect like the previous versions. Well, plus doing a big change like making the Doctor a woman, and then also coinciding that with totally changing the show, I feel like is a lot too. It yeah. made it more alien. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, made it more, you know, it's certainly a sci-fi story, but not quite Doctor Who. But this seems like we're getting back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So ratings? Ratings, yeah. So, Colin, what did you think of this episode? Oh, well, thank you, Colin. I'd love to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, this this was a, a, I think you already know, this is a, a welcomed um, episode for me. You know, I, I, I think you already know I've been soured a little bit on this past season. Um, I think, you know, the production value has always been there. I thought Jody was a great doctor. The writing, the stories, the plots, I haven't been quite taken with. But this really changes it up. We have a faster-paced scene. Um, we have a couple of twisty loops. We have some uh, throwbacks to a, uh, a past villain um, that really comes out with a twist as well. It, it's really gotten me excited for this next season. Um, I, I, I go back and forth about where a, a true rating should be for me because I, I did love this episode, but part of that is just because I think it wildly exceeded my expectations um, of what I already had out for it. Um, but for me, this this is a great way to open um, a new <coughs> season. I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Kelsey. So I have only ever seen one other Jody episode, um, but I had heard chatter that, like, 
last season wasn't great and stuff. So my expectations were also kind of like, eh, like, we'll see. And, I mean, there was, like, rumors going about, oh, they're going to bring back the old villains. They are going to, like, make a tie back to, like, the original stuff. And this episode really showed that, and it did, like, meet those expectations in a good way. I liked the master. I thought that he's – I hope they keep that actor. I think he did a really good job, and, like – Especially when he went into his crazy mode, I thought that it was, like, a fun transition. Um, I like that they brought Yaz more into it. Like, she seems like an interesting character, and that so almost like a new character in a way, because she didn't really have anything going on before, so now it's like they almost introduced basically a new character in her as well. Um, and, yeah, I thought the pacing was good. I liked the whole spy backdrop, um, and... Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. And, I I mean, also I've been watching a lot of the older episodes, so seeing, like, the technological advances and all that stuff, like special effects, like, it, it is more of a production, and so that's been fun to see for me. So I actually think I might agree with Colin and give it an 8.5. All right. Yeah, I thought that this one was great. As I said before, I think the writing is, <laughs> has been really good. Um, I loved the Stephen Moffat era, so the fact that there was a lot of, you know, direction and pacing and writing that kind of, uh, you know, modeled after that slightly was uh, very appealing to me. I thought the characters were great. Um, I agree with Kelsey that especially when the uh, the master broke into full master mode at the end was uh, great, and I hope they keep the actor around because he was uh, really awesome. Um and yeah, I, I, I thought that I, I even, uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but the security guards that were like there very briefly and were just like, doctor, we're here to protect you. You're the only one who can figure this stuff out. Go figure it out. Let us do our jobs. I thought that was kind of a great scene. I mean, people don't do that to the doctor often enough. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thought that it was all, um, I thought it was really good. I'm excited for the next episode. I hope that it wraps up in a very sensible way. Um, that is one of my worries with uh, Chris Chignall is sometimes his plots don't quite come together. But this one seems like a great setup, and I feel like it has a lot of potential to really get tied up nicely and to work really well. Um, I'm excited to see what happens next the whole season. I'm going to give this one a 9. Ooh, boosting up the rating a little here. <laughs> or at least the average. Um, okay, great season opener. Um, I think this particular one sets a lot up. And one of my one of my fears is that it sets up a little too much. Now, one of the good things about uh, this era is that they, in terms of finances for each individual episode, is that they've reduced the season from 13 or 12 episodes from the past down to 10. It's 10 this? It's only 10. Well, it was only 10 the last Yeah, but I thought maybe. Yeah. Nope, still only 10. Which means that they do have a lot more money to put into each individual episode. Unfortunately, it also means that it's a much shorter season. Um, so... But I guess they do have a little bit more time to spend on these stories. Now, everything, besides the fact that this was very dense with a lot of stuff happening, I felt like everything actually came together as it was supposed to. And it did set things up for the next episode. Unfortunately, in the past, the second parters sometimes fail miserably in terms <laughs> of actually resolving everything. Not all of them, but there, there have been a, a few of them. Um, in this particular one... Um, but uh, 
I think that uh, the setup was wonderful. You had some amazing character actors and and celebrities from from Great Britain that came in and and did their spiel. And overall, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you can dislike about this episode, in my opinion. It certainly wasn't a boring episode. I, I heard some people said it was boring. I'm like, okay, this is like a John Pertwee final story where he's basically going from hovercraft to a motorcycle to an airplane to the next thing that, that takes him off into wherever. And so it's just a constant, almost like a constant chase scene, but with a whole bunch of plot interwoven within it, which is, again, very much Doctor Who. Run. You need to run. That was the whole point of Chris, that Christopher Eccleston made to Rose in the very beginning of uh, 2005 episode. Now we're getting the same motif back. Run, run, run. So yes, it does feel more like Doctor Who in that respect. Um, Chris Chibnall's overall direction and look of the series hasn't changed too drastically from last season. But that's because the the camera work and the way that the filters are on the cameras are all the same, it's, and the music's the same from last season. Um, so he's not losing completely everything that he had changed, which is good for him, I guess. Um, but uh, in terms of acting and directing and music and everything else, I'm going to have to put this at a solid eight. Okay. Well, let us know what you guys think. Uh, We will be back on Wednesday to talk about the conclusion of this two-parter. You can email us at thewhovianreview at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else anyone else wants to say? Well, thanks for coming. Happy New Year, and we'll catch you on part two of Spyfall next week. Yeah, we will. Bye. 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 Bye.